on page 616, you'll find Psalm 118, seen traditionally as foreshadowing the events we think about in Jerusalem. Psalm 118, beginning at verse one. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. And then moving across to, to verse 19. Open for me the gates of righteousness, I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me, you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. The second lesson can be found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, which you'll find on page 988 in the Church Bibles. Matthew chapter 21, beginning to read at verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem and to, came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a coat, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. So, life is full of ups and downs, is it not? And uh, in a way, I think this passage has a lot to say about that. In our lives, we're never quite sure what's going to happen. We're never quite sure what faces us, what's going to face us, and how we're dealing with the stuff that we're dealing with. In our own personal lives, in our families, in our communities and at those political levels as well. <clears throat> For me, the last, um, the last week's been very, very busy. Um, the last couple of weeks, really, uh, with getting ready for Easter. We, for some reason, in the UK, last week was Science Week and it was also Shakespeare Week, so we did both at school, like you do. We also managed an Easter bonnet parade, Easter garden making. Um, and somehow in the middle of all this, I was also invited to London to um, speak on the subject of Japanese language teaching. So why not? And uh, I wasn't too worried about it. And I was they were paying my transport. And I was taking two teachers with me. And uh, I looked. And I thought there'd just be a few people there. But then I looked at the list of delegates. <laughs> it was very extensive and included people from Eton College, the head of foreign mod modern foreign languages at Eton. So I thought, oh, this is exciting. I wonder what I'm going to be able to tell them about uh, Japanese language learning. Anyway, uh, that was one thing. And then the next day, I think it was, I was invited to a black tie dinner at Warminster School. Um, it's not really my thing, black tie dinners, to be honest. Uh, don't really have the outfit for it. Fiona said to me, well, surely you've got a little black dress. No, not really. But I did find one that used to belong to my mother that the children had used for dressing up. And <laughs> it kind of seemed OK, but it needed a little bit doing to it, or it needed some sort of, shall we say, embellishment. Um, so what with the having to see, and I'm a woman, so guy, you know, the gentleman amongst you might not understand the panic that was coming over me at this point. So I had two things to go to, and of course I didn't have anything to wear, apart from the black dress from the dressing up cupboard. Um, and so I set off to try and find, hopefully, one outfit that would do both. Um, and I spent two whole, the whole, almost an entire weekend, I have to say, um, circ sort of, it felt like I was circling around stores, 
I tried on something like 36 different outfits and nothing worked. And I had nothing and it was depressing. And only the women here know what this feels like when you say I have nothing to wear. And eventually, with a bit of help um, from my son actually, I found a pair of shoes that brightened up the black t-shirt dress that belonged to my mother. So that was good, and they were sort of um, a kind of future pink. That was quite good, so I thought, okay. Um, and then last-ditched attempts went into Debenhams, circled three times, um, no success. And then this very nice person came up to me and said, excuse me, I'm a personal shopper, and my client hasn't turned up. Would you like me to help you? Oh, I can't tell you how fabulous this was. And, and I overcame my suspicions that they were just trying to flog me stuff, you know, when she found a jacket that was the same color as the shoes that had been reduced significantly. So I was very happy, and they sorted me out, including a blue dress for the Japanese event. So. I'm, I'm sorry about this, just to tell you about my social life. It's not my social life, it's my work life. So I, I uh, pitched up at the Japanese event first and was feeling quite pleased with myself. And uh, the day went along. And I was just having a cup of coffee with the organizer and another head teacher ahead of my, my little talk that I had to give. And I was trying to persuade her that really I should um, be paid to go back to Japan because they had once paid for me to go there and you know I was trying to put in a, a bid for a return visit and she looked at me and she went like this she went no and she hit the cup of coffee that I was holding and it went all the way down my dress and I looked down and I saw the coffee hit the floor the liquid hit the floor and then by some miracle it bounced back up off the floor and hit me in the face and so there I was, just dripping in black coffee on this fabulous dress. So there you go, it just goes to show, doesn't it? There's nothing like being humbled. Um, and then at the black tie event, fortunately I didn't manage to ruin anything there. But there's that thing, isn't there, where you are at a party and yet you're very alone. It's quite difficult. I didn't really know anyone there, but I was you know, trying my best and everything. And it was terribly, terribly smart. And there were um, young people from the school who were playing uh, in between each course, piano pieces. And I was at my table. Um, I was sat next to a, a young girl who was playing the piano. And I asked her about, I did ever say, well, you know, asked about GCSEs, where she lived, and la, 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 la. And on the other side was the director of music, and I asked her all about the pieces that she liked playing, even though I don't know the first thing about music. But, you know, I kept the conversation going. I was doing really, really well. It was exhausting. You know, I don't know if you know this, but it can be really hard and a lonely place to be. And then I thought, I'd better start talking to the person on the other side of the young girl who was playing the piano, chat wearing a DJ. So much easy for blokes, those things, honestly. It's so straightforward in terms of outfits. Anyway, I said to him, so um, what are you studying and which year are you in? And he said, well, actually, I'm a design engineer for Dyson's. <laughs> and that's my wife, and she's the musical director. So he wasn't a schoolboy at all. And, you know, it's that moment when I just wish the ground would open me up, really, and swallow me.
the ups and downs of life. And meanwhile, back at home, I've got my daughter's decided to move back from London because she can't afford the rent in London. And my other boy's been applying for jobs and the other one's in China and hasn't got enough money to get home, you know. So these are all worries and things. It's just my um, therapy session here to you all, isn't it? And, uh, and John had actually applied for a job and it was a really wonderful job in Bath. It was perfect in every way. It was too good to be true, really. And so he'd been trying for so long to find something that I couldn't even hope. I couldn't even dare to hope that he might get this. And I did ask my home group, actually. I said, I can't even pray for this. I, I don't even have the faith. Because if it doesn't happen, it's just too awful. And just dealing with the moods at home and the pain and, ugh. So, but could you pray? Either that he gets it or that I've got the grace to, and the humility to cope with the aftermath. <laughs> anyway, there's a great delay. But yesterday... Um, I heard that I got home actually and from being out with my daughter and after a while John said to me, Mum, please don't make a loud noise. It's very strange. And then he said, but I've just had a phone call from the theatre and um, I've got the job. And I thought, okay. I said, well, that's, that's really good. And then I went, And then I phoned um, various people, texted my friend Sandy, saw her this morning, and I said, she said, hello, isn't it cold? How are you? And I said, I'm fine, did you get my text? And she got her phone out of her bag, and then she looked at it and she went, ah, like this. See, it's a joy. So isn't life like that? You have your ups and your downs, you're busy, you don't, you know, it is like that. And that brings me right into the passage, because these disciples of Jesus, uh, have been with him. They have been following him. They've, they've witnessed um, miracles. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They've been in Bethany. They are um, on their way towards Jerusalem. It is Passover. And they're really not, uh, they can't really be sure what's happening. Let me say that Passover in Jerusalem happens in springtime and the temperature would be a lovely 22 degrees, 72 degrees Fahrenheit, not like today, but imagine that, 72 degrees, lovely. The olive um, trees are out, they're sprouting, lovely and green, just like that first hymn we had. And the palm trees are beautiful and there's a gentle breeze. It's a lovely day. Um, <coughs> and they are instructed to fetch a donkey. Um, Beth, Bethphage, or Bethphage, near Bethany, is on the Mount of Olives, which is along an escarpment which looks over Jerusalem. So I think almost, if you imagine slightly higher than the Cotswolds where it rises up, the Cots, you know, along the Cotswold Way there. If you imagine something like that, the disciples and Jesus are near the top of that in Bethphage. And, and as I say, it's beautiful, green, lovely. And they're instructed to find 
this mode of transport because this is how they understand that Jesus is going to be coming into Jerusalem. Now this makes sense because if you're sitting on a beast like that, you, I think you'll be more visible. But it's interesting because in Matthew, and only in Matthew, um, they're instructed to go and find a donkey with her colt by her. And it's on the colt, the baby donkey, that uh, Jesus is to ride. And like, that, that puzzled me. Why, is the, why are the two animals in Matthew and only one in the, all three other Gospels? And so I, you know, the internet's a great place, isn't it? So I've been reading all about donkeys. And do you know that donkeys are happiest in pairs? Also, with this donkey, the colt, we're told that it had never been ridden before. And I found a video on YouTube of, a, of people trying to ride un, previously unridden donkeys. And they're quite wild and they don't like it at all. But if you put the mother donkey by the baby donkey, essentially, then it calms the other donkey down. And it has a companion. And donkeys actually like to be in pairs. I, I never knew this, although I recall um, some many years ago getting a donkey for a Christmas service uh, when we lived in Coombe Down. And there was a, locally there, were, uh, there was a donkey that would do this. But it had to come with its friend. The friend waited outside the church while the other donkey came in and went out again. But it had to come in the, in the van or whatever it was with its friend. So here we have these two donkeys, a mother donkey and then the, ba the, the young donkey, the one that Jesus is going to ride. And the mother donkey is giving calm, stability, steadiness to this other creature. And the disciples put their cloaks, it says, over the little donkeys and the big donkey to make it something special. And, and of course, the other thing about donkeys is that they have a cross on them. The markings of a cross, you knew that, but I'm just reminding you. And so Jesus sat on top of this young cult so that the prophecy that we will come true. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the prophecy would come true. And it's an interesting thing about prophecies, just as an aside here, but if we just look back to verse 18 in chapter 20, Jesus has told the disciples already that we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. He will be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. At this moment in time, though, I think the disciples have forgotten that. Because they, couldn't un they didn't understand. At that point in time, they didn't understand that Jesus was prophesying about the future. But they do understand that coming into Jerusalem on the colt, the foal of a donkey, is also fulfilling a prophecy. Anyway, so there we are. We're on the top of the Mount of Olives, and Jesus has a view over Jerusalem. A bit like that view, I think, that you get over Bath. And the crowds are gathering. 
and people are putting down cloaks and palm leaves and leaves, foliage on the road, which really acts like a red carpet. Today, that is the red carpet treatment because this is someone who is being heralded as king and who people hope will be king. And Jesus, seeing Jerusalem in one of the gospels, we know he weeps at this point, sees the crowd all hailing him as their king and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And that donkey leads that little donkey through this jostling, shouting out crowd down the hill into and towards Jerusalem and through a gate called the Lion's Gate and into the city. And part of the road that Jesus travels along whilst everyone is shouting out and going down into Jerusalem, part of the route he would have taken will be the very same route that he comes out of Jerusalem on, the Via Dolorosa, but this time not sitting on that colt on, on a cross, but underneath one dragging it along. And it's only a week to go. And somehow, let's think about what was Jesus thinking at this point? Because he is both. He is both God, he's both divine, he's both human, all of these things. Everyone is shouting. Just think of the crowd, the people there saying, that was the person who healed my child. That was the person who healed my neighbor's child. That was the person who's, who enabled me to see again. That was the person who walked on water. That was the person. Look, look, look. That was the person who changed water into wine at the wedding. That was the person who touched my eyes so that I could see again. The person who released my child from epilepsy. Everyone wants to see this person, wants to reach out, wants to touch, is proclaiming, is shouting. And what is Jesus thinking? What can be going through his head? Because he knows, he's told the disciples, I'm on my way to my death, but here everyone is welcoming, welcoming me as king. And in the politics of the day, of course, those people were really hoping that this would be the end, not just of the Romans, but actually of the, of the sort of the oppression that they felt from the, the Jewish rule as well of the Sanhedrin. They didn't understand all this fiddle-faddling around laws, you know, it was so legalistic. And the Romans were there oppressing them. And here was someone coming to release them from all of that so that everything would be okay. And I think the reason we celebrate this is this was the temporal moment when Jesus came as king, as a human being. But Jesus also knew that this wasn't to be forever. And yet he let it, he let it happen. And it almost had to happen because the more the people shouted, the more the people welcomed him as king, the more dangerous he became to the political powers. The more people welcomed him and praised him, the more likely it was that he was going to be arrested. And now, looking back, we have the benefit of these gospel stories. And even the writers say in there, don't they, 
that he told us this because. He told us this because later we would understand. But right now at this moment, they are so happy. But Jesus holds steady through this confusion as he goes down into Jerusalem. This cheering crowd that are going to become a jeering crowd. The crowd that want him to be king that are going to end up shouting for Barabbas to be released. And that crowd is also us because in the ups and downs of life, we sometimes get it wrong. We want things to happen and they don't happen. We thank God for this, but we can't speak to him about that. And in this, in this instance, even the disciples run away. So however much we think we're there saying, yeah, 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 we're there for you, Jesus. We're there for you. Be our king, be our king. Even the disciples who knew him so well run away and are afraid. But Jesus holds firm. And I think the message in here for us I'm going to go back to that little donkey who's following his mother in the same way that Jesus is following God, his father. He's holding steady. That little donkey is holding steady that's never been ridden before, never experienced these things before. And I think that when we have our ups and our downs, when we are afraid for ourselves, for our health, for our children, when we are desperate, despairing, when we are really, really happy as well, we can hold steady too by believing in God, by knowing that he's there for us, that he has gone before. Because God will keep us steady in the same way that that mother donkey kept that little baby donkey steady in the same way that Jesus held firm and kept on going through that fabulous atmosphere, but knowing what was ahead. And I think that is the thing about Palm Sunday, is recognizing Jesus as king there, but knowing that he will still be with us as we go through the darkness, and he'll still be there for us no matter what. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that so often when things are new to us, when we are unsure, we are afraid, we falter, we lose hope. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you, to keep steady, to keep believing. Thank you, Lord, for the love you have for us. And thank you for keeping us going. Amen.